Hello, and welcome to episode number 33 of the Lines Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in the gaming industry. And I cannot be, I cannot assure our listeners that these brightest minds are on their, I mean, their A-plus game this week because we had people burning the midnight oil this week. I do have Dustin Galker. I do have Adam Candy with me. But man, what a crazy, crazy time to be alive here in 2018, the year of our Lord here and uh, talking about gaming. Dustin, I mean, look, we're going to get to all of the stuff, but I mean, just to preview here, guys, in the middle of the night, and this is not an exaggeration, the middle of the night, we had some craziness happen in legislation. Of course, we will talk about that here, but Dustin, Is this like the crazy, I mean, of course, you and I both sat up in, you know, the New York DFS vote and that that did happen kind of really late or something. But is this one of the craziest things that's ever happened since you've really kind of been doing this in this industry? Yeah, these last couple of days have been absolutely (laughs) nuts. Like Tuesday started and there was just this constant flood of news where one story seemed bigger than the other. Um, yeah, if this is a sign of what's to come for 2019, I'm, I'm scared for all of us. Uh, well, actually, I mean, I'm excited for us all, but there's a lot of news that's going to be coming down uh, around gaming and online gaming and sports betting. Absolutely. If you want to hear Adam's sweet, sweet voice, we are on iTunes, we are on Stitcher, we are on Spotify. So please go rate, review, do all of those things that help us keep climbing those charts. So really appreciate that. And Adam, what, what kind of sleep are you working on over there, my friend? The first two times the alarm went off, I was pretty sure it was still inside a dream. So I am glad to be here with you now after staying up with my good friends in Michigan last night. Absolutely. So let's let's go ahead and let's go back to your neck of the woods and your previous life and talk about Washington, D.C. Dustin gave us a little preview there of so many things that happened here in this week. And this kind of kicked things off here. And we are looking like we are going to have sports betting in the District of Columbia. Within the District of Columbia, likely by opening day, which was their target from the beginning, there will be sports betting in the district. And that's because the council there passed a bill this week authorizing it. Uh, There were some tweaks and a little bit of nervous times for some folks when it comes to that. But ultimately, the bill was passed uh, essentially as the D.C. lottery was allowed to be the overlord of all things sports betting uh in the district they'll be the single operator uh they'll have the rights to operate the online and they could authorize others to come in if they so chose but in any case you might look around and say well how's that going to work because there are no casinos in washington dc well it'll be online as mentioned and then you could have a robust presence inside the arenas where the games are played as well you could be looking at some kiosks and uh, lounges as we've seen in New Jersey there as well. So not completely a done deal yet. Uh, any law in Washington, D.C. ultimately has to get approval from Congress. Uh, now there's some machinations there that make it so that uh, D.C. can start writing regs sooner than that and have things ready to go. But in any case, it is a strong likelihood that it's coming. Dustin, one of the things that we were when we were monitoring this that we were keeping an eye on is there were at least iterations of things that were floating around that actually had the, you know, the dreaded integrity fee, the dreaded, you know, royalty, if you will, to the leagues. But 
where do we sit with this bill and all of that nonsense? Yeah. Uh, first off, I want to point out, like we're starting with DC sports betting, but this is like maybe the third or fourth biggest story of the week in sports betting news. <laughs> like this is, is like any, any other week this would be like, Oh my goodness, there's another jurisdiction with sports betting. Uh, and that's not the case. We'll get to some of that later, including uh, what's going in Congress. Um, but yeah, we're out. We're out of. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam. We're we're out of integrity fee land, right? With with DC sports betting, we are out of integrity fee land. We are firmly in sanity. Yeah, we're uh, no no integrity fee being paid to to leagues in in this in the legislation as it passed. Um, this was uh, even the leagues themselves weren't actually a fan of of how uh, DC was was structuring this and how it was going to be in the in the legislation. So. Um, it was kind of a non-starter and yeah, we're now, we're now looking to, I mean, the leagues are now kind of over uh, what they want, except for in Congress where they have a, a sports betting bill that, that they apparently like. So um, yeah, we're, uh, we're, uh, we're going to end 2018 with no royalties being paid to sports leagues from sports betting. Adam, as we have this like going, going, getting going here, is this a little bit scary to you just from the grand? So if we take a step back and obviously we are big fans of legalization, of course, and that is never going to be anything that we sit here and poo poo on this podcast. However, is this a little bit scary how this all went down? Because of when there is sort of the monopoly situation and things, and especially with it being a state lottery I can only imagine as we enter 2019, we are going to see other states kind of look at this and say, huh, maybe we should uh, maybe we should go this route. I think this was maybe the story we didn't expect to become the story of 2019, but it's about to become a huge story. It's not the first time that a state lottery has been in charge. You see that in other states. You see that. Um, in Delaware and Rhode Island, where you've got single operator essentially, and these, you know, effectively hugely high tax rates. But DC is the first one where we saw a real struggle over this, where it was going to be a question of single operator versus multiple. Now, as Dustin wrote about, and he can tell you more about, uh, there were some quite dubious claims from the operator of the DC lottery about what kind of revenue can be generated by that single operator. And if they're pitching that around the country, then we could have a real struggle between allowing a more robust marketplace with DraftKings and FanDuel and William Hill and others to come in versus this lottery-only model. Dustin? Yeah, I mean, we're looking at uh, this is a, this is a this is a major storyline for 2019. If lotteries say, "Oh, we're just going to do sports betting," we're going to do it in a way that is not super customer friendly. Interlot, the operator for DC Lottery, has said it wants to hold something like 20 to 30 percent of bets, <laughs> which, as we all know, is if we're going to have a like a, if you're having some kind of real single game sports betting system, that's not at all possible. This means they're going to be charging uh, abnormally high vig. They're going to be pushing par- uh, parlay cards. Uh, it's it's not clear exactly what the product will be, but it's not the product that we've seen in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Nevada uh, to any to any stretch of the imagination. So, yeah, I mean, we can we can write this off as a one off. DC is like, oh, they're doing their own thing. But I mean, lot- lotteries are going to look at this and say, oh, well, they're doing it. Why don't why don't we do this? And I, that's not a consumer friendly thing. It's not something that would would combat the offshore market at all. And uh, I mean, if you want to create just revenue, and that's your only goal. I guess it's OK. It, you may you're probably limiting how much revenue you can without a more robust system so yeah uh dc uh, i don't think they got it right but again like we're all saying like legalizing better than not legalizing at all so absolutely guys as always if you want to read 
more further in depth into all of these stories that we're going to talk about on this podcast, please head to LegalSportsReport.com. Please head to PlayUSA.com. Please head to all of our sister sites out there because we have some of the best writers in the entire industry that are covering these beats and getting this stuff done. So really, really appreciate you guys reading that stuff. So Dustin, let's go to one of our friends that we have had in this industry so far that tends to make an appearance on every single podcast. Our friends at DraftKings do have some news in yet another state here. Yeah, DraftKings has a partner in West Virginia. So this will be uh, the second state where they're going to have online sports betting. They are always, they're far and away the market leader in the early days of New Jersey sports betting for, for online betting. Uh, I think they accounted for about a third of revenue last month. Uh, so this is their second place where they're going to be able to do online. They already have uh, physical books in Mississippi and New Jersey as well. They have a deal in place in New York if they move forward on sports betting so this was a necessary step for DraftKings. um i think we knew it was coming they had applied for an app uh, a license uh earlier this year so yeah i mean DraftKings uh, uh quest for world domination or u.s domination of sports betting continues <laughs> adam when do we think we will see our friends DraftKings in west virginia I take a silence as he has no idea. I, I, I don't. I think we. I think we're. Thinking I. I am not in silence. I'm really <laughs> thinking deeply about this. Or potentially, I forgot where my mute button is again. There you uh, go. Yeah. Uh, the question is, when are we going to get online sports betting in West Virginia? Period. Uh, it hasn't launched yet. We only have retail locations as it is right now in West Virginia. So we are still in a holding pattern, waiting for the state to get all of its uh, testing and other things done for sports betting online in West Virginia. Best guess is early 2019 over under January 31st is what is what I is, is my line. Oh, all right. All right. I like this. I, this, see, this is what this is all about. This is making some bold calls on here. This is what this is all about. My is, it, is there a 31 days in January? I don't even know, but it's uh, the end of January. 30, 30 days. September has 30 is on 30 days has Uh-oh. September. And then there's some other like little jingle to the, that. There that is. Know, and I also know that Dustin is known nationwide as the authority on West Virginia sports betting. So I'm going to trust. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Adam, this is another one of the, you know, things that basically we keep coming back to here. The NBA, of course, whenever before any of this got going, we were, jumping up and down about what we thought was going to be this, you know, progressive leader of the NBA and how they were going to march us forward into this world of legalized sports betting because the NBA wields so much power and we have this guy that is running this league that is going to see it how we see it and he's going to take us into the promised land. Of course, we have since then found out that the NBA, like several of the other leagues, are kind of really in this shockingly to make money, Adam, but uh, it seems like we have this NBA, at least the NBA is going out there and they're and they're making deals happen here. I believe it was our friend, Mr. Gacker, who gave the Oprah reference on Twitter and said, you get a deal and you get a deal and <laughs> you get a deal because that's what it feels like with the NBA right now. And one of the many, many stories that came down the pipe Tuesday was the NBA signing a partnership with FanDuel Sportsbook. And they get to become an authorized gaming operator of the NBA. Uh, We know that these two already were in partnership uh, operating as the official daily fantasy partner of the NBA. But this now expands to cover sports betting as well. And so it's the third deal that we've seen in this vein from the NBA. We've seen BetStars and also MGM uh, get in at this level. And my 
question when it comes to these partnerships is we continue to call them official gaming partners. When does the brand start to dilute a little bit here? When does someone who's paying for this to get the status as an official partner of the NBA look around and say, cool, everyone's an official partner of the NBA. Why am I paying for this at this point? So I think that's something to watch as we go forward. All these non-exclusive deals that allow uh, access to official data from the NBA they're great, and obviously it can be used to power in play and so on and so on. But the marketing aspect of it, I think the value is getting less and less here. Dustin, I guess my, you know, I'm outside of the organizations here. I don't work for any of these companies and have not talked to any of them. But I can only guess that the mentality here is if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you just let's just do it. Like it's like there's no right. there's no reason. I mean, if you have the the capital to to do these deals, like why not? You get and and yeah, you're uh, you're paying a premium, I guess, for being able to just. I mean, you're probably paying a lot just to be able to use league marks and names and things like that. You're gonna get some cross promotion from the NBA, uh, like. It's not the worst thing in the world to say, "Hey, the MB, the uh, LE gives us a stamp of approval." Like these are these are all things that don't have like tangible value, but I you know I see why they are. Um, obviously, the official data stuff, like you can get that through their through the you know the middlemen, the, the, the data companies as well. But yeah, I mean, we're in a world like uh, I, I'm, I I mean I guess I get why all these companies are, are paying the money and it, it makes sense. Like we're like it, it just makes sense. And it's and honestly, it's gonna be easier moving forward if the leagues and the and the and the gaming companies are just like let's let's do this together. Let's not be enemies, right? So Adam, with Dustin being, of course, the uh, the foremost voice on sports betting in West Virginia and on some of these other states, what are, what are he said an over under already on this podcast? So let's set an over under here. How many panels slash conferences slash whatever you might want to call them is he going to be a part of in 2019? I will set the over under at 7.5. Where are you taking on that? Oh, man, that's a tough one because I already have my action in on another <laughs> one of the LSR family for being about 12 or 13. I don't know. I'm going to, I'll fire on that over. Cause I don't know what the second. Uh, yeah, is yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm committed. I'm, I'm committed to two right now. So there we go. So look, we're already on a good start here. I like your over bet then, <laughs> because I mean, this is the, yeah, I mean, he's already on two and the year of 2019 is not even here yet. So, I mean, this is, this is good. It's, this is trending in the right direction for you. I think. Well, I Excellent. think the question is how many of those conferences will be in West Virginia, because then I'm <laughs> sure on my over. Yes, absolutely. I mean, again, we are we do have the foremost voice in all of West Virginia gaming on this podcast right now. And I'm so honored to have. I assume, we're, I so, assume we're just trolling Eric, who is actually the expert since he's not here. Yeah, I mean, as we should. And, and we were trying to get uh, Eric Ramsey, who another was another guy that was up until the wee hours of the morning following everything that was going down that we're about to get into here. But he is claiming that he is sick. And I, I've sent him the the Phoebe from Friends thing where she thought she was sick and she wasn't going to be able to sing. And then she sang and she loved her voice so much because she actually sounds sexy and all that. And, and I was like, Eric, this this could be your moment here. This this could have been his time to shine. And he passed up on that. And I think he's going to live to regret that, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. I, will. I'm not sure he's going to yeah. live at all based on the way he's talking about being <laughs> sick. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, and this is the great thing, because uh, when he's not on here, we can just 
completely sit here and drag him and he's never going to know. So uh, best thing to do is we'll probably uh, go ahead and rag on him at least three or four more times before we get out of here. All right. So this is the stuff that we really want to get into here. And this kind of came out of nowhere, Dustin. We were the first and I will pat ourselves on the back here. We were the first on this whole Department of Justice reversing the Wire Act thing. We were uh, all over this thing, getting quotes. We were following this as it progressed here. But if you were not part of the you know, gambling Twitter, if you will, and gambling news Twitter for sure over the last couple of days, you probably are going, what the hell are you talking about, reversal of a Wire Act? So let's go ahead and break this down for our listeners here. But this is something that, uh, again, we were... We were kind of sitting here. We were like, all right, we're going to cruise into 2019 here. Everything's been pretty great. And all of a sudden, boom, we get hit from left field. Yeah, let's let's start here. There, there's a there's a law called the Wire Act. This is a, a law still in the books, uh, even though the federal ban on, on sports betting passed, but was struck down. And it's a, it's a, a law that intersects with sports betting. It, it, it's supposed to stop illegal interstate sports betting from happening. There, there was an opinion in 2011 uh, issued by the Department of Justice that said, hey, this only applies to sports betting. It doesn't apply to lotteries. It doesn't apply to other forms of online gambling. And in the wake of that, you know, we've had online sports betting, online casino in New Jersey and Delaware and, and Pennsylvania. This year will be coming online this year. We'll talk about Michigan in a second, too. So it kind of let this uh, this online gaming industry kind of crop up. And now what came down this week is that the DOJ is uh, it's at least it's it's for sure that it's crafted an opinion reversing that opi- uh, opinion saying that yes the wire act actually applies to all forms of of interstate gaming um and that's going to throw uh a monkey and uh, a monkey wrench and things for sure. It's uh, it's not what it's going to create is chaos, as I think. Not chaos, but confusion. Maybe is the right word. It's going to really put uh, all sorts of forms of gaming uh, into a state of confusion because we, we everybody everything's kind of happened uh, in the age of the internet under this assumption that the Wire Act does not apply to other things. That sport that even online sports betting is okay. So we we know this. The DOJ has crafted this. They have not decided whether they are going to issue it yet. As, as according to our sources, as last we heard, but um, it could come as soon as today before we're off this. I've been actively refreshing the DOJ website uh, as we've been talking about this. So this is a, it's a, I mean, it sounds a little wonky, but this is a thing that could affect just about everything from lotteries to sports betting to, to online poker and casinos. And um, we're not sure until we see the opinion of what the impact might be. Adam, I think one the only thing Dustin didn't give us there is that the Wire Act is the Wire Act of 1961. So if for a little bit of context here, the official language, whoever being engaged in the business of betting or wagering knowingly using a wire communication facility for the transmission of interstate or foreign commerce and bets. So what we're dealing with here is a law that was written and passed in 1961, John F. Kennedy lording over this here, Adam, when the internet was not even invented yet. The way that we go about our lives with phones and digital and interwebs and all the crazy things and the forms of communication and the way that we transfer data was not even a thing here. So that's why we've kind of always laughed at the Wire Act in general, because look, in the back in the day when this was a thing, it was because they were going after bookies. I mean, they didn't want guys being able to get on the phone and sit there and run. You know, I mean, you've seen the old movies. You see, you see how it used to be. There would be a pit of guys in there taking bets over the phone, writing stuff on chalkboards and whatever. And that's where we were when this thing passed. And I don't think people really realize that we are literally talking about a, a thing that happened in 1961. 
And not only bookies, this was specifically targeted at the mafia. And that's not what we're dealing with right now by any stretch of the imagination. It reminds me of working in Congress years ago and Nevada dealing with mining law that was written in the 1850s and still applied today. I mean, (laughs) unless someone's going out there with their pickaxe and prospecting, then that law wasn't going to make any sense. And it doesn't make any sense for the Wire Act to be governing things as it is when it comes to sports betting specifically and now potentially uh, other areas of online gaming. And we know that one specific person from Nevada, uh, Sheldon Adelson, who owns Venetian and Palazzo, the chairman of Las Vegas Sands, uh, is a staunch opponent of online gaming and has a very close relationship with President Donald Trump and the fingerprints of the Sands organization are certainly all over this Wire Act potential reversal. So a modernization of the Wire Act is actually partially in the federal sports betting bill that we're going to talk a little bit about. Um, but it's certainly not the overhaul that it could be due for. Now, Dustin, when we look at something like this and you talk about the implications and the ramifications of all of this, we do currently – and I, this is probably something that people who don't follow this – every single day don't even really know because it is still so small but we do have compacts as we exist right now where there are states doing business in online gaming yeah there's a compact between new jersey nevada and uh, <laughs> delaware yes delaware that's the other one where, where you play they pull put poker players across state lines this is the thing that's definitely seems to be most affected um but yeah there's uh, this thing this i mean changing the interpretation of the wire act affects a lot of things and i, th- I mean i think i mean this isn't really our purview but like just the way lotteries work not even online liars i'm just talking regular lotteries they like communications go across state lines to, to do these to do lotteries like this is uh, the whole the whole uh Wire Act opinion from 2011 came out of the fact that lotteries were worried about their business and how it's conducted under the Wire Act. So, you know, uh, and I think what the what this really would do if this actually does come out today or sometime in the future, it's it, this is like full time employment act for for illegal sports books. Like this just this just hampers a legal market, makes the illegal market just that much stronger because you're you're creating hurdles for for the offshore market i'll tell you this i was sitting on a plane last night uh <laughs> i was watching and uh the wife had fxx on and there was a there's a commercial for america's card room on an, an actual cable network this is a, this is a company that is not operating illegally in the u.s is serving u.s customers and this is like this this doesn't affect them at all if, they, if the wire act gets interpreted this is you know illegal stuff is going to continue doing uh, operating u.s no matter what happens this is just going to hamper what happens legally short of you know some more enforcement on on what's going on offshore so it's it's frustrating to me that, that we're in 2018 and having this discussion and we're trying to like anybody even uh, even even our buddy Sheldon is trying to just stop what's what we should be we should be doing the exact opposite we should be encouraging regulated and legal online gambling right the the expansion if anything should be where we look on this because as you mentioned like and look you know yeah we talk about a lot of sports betting stuff on here but we are invested in the poker industry as well we have several sites that cover the poker industry and and honestly the genesis of all this was uh, poker, you know, every, everybody, I think, you know, that, that you've heard on this podcast in some way, shape or form somewhere along the way had some so, some sort of something in the poker industry. And the reason that it is 
not successful so far in the United States in, by grand scheme of things is just for the fact that liquidity, because people want to pay a small amount of money and win a big amount of money. And that's kind of what we talked about on the DFS side of things before we've obviously you see it in, with, with the lottery, but with poker, you know, it, it, the entire industry is based around liquidity. If there's not enough people playing, then the prize pools aren't big enough. There's not enough cash games running. It's not a viable, really like a viable business. And so, Dustin, I think that, you know, from with something like this, I mean, you know, we have beat the drum for, hey, let's be smart about all this. Of course, these states can just work together on the poker side of things and get going. But, you know, if you're in the poker industry right now, it hasn't been smooth sailing the last few years anyway. Of course, we've seen the numbers dwindle as it is. But, you know, something like this is just I'm not going to call it, you know, the nail in the coffin. But certainly as far as the, you know, the poker industry ever realizing in the United States any sort of real renaissance like we kind of think that it possibly could uh would be just i mean this would almost be the death of that oh right? yeah people uh, online poker is not viable uh, moving forward if you can't share it across state lines like uh we i mean we've, we we know that from new jersey granted new jersey is not a huge market but i just don't think there's an appetite for if operators don't think there's some um uh, carrots that they can reach out that says, Hey, this is going to be interstate on a, a larger basis down the road. Like, I don't see uh, any interest from poker operators to just say, let's, let's do it on a state by state basis. That's not a moneymaker. I mean, but on the flip side of that, we're on, we're in a world where we could vast, vastly uh, change how much uh, liquidity there is. There's Pennsylvania is going to have online poker next year. Could, uh, could join that compact we talked about. And then what we're going to talk about next, Michigan just legalized online casino and poker, uh, as I, we actually had a story just just this morning that said, "Hey, we're we're interested in joining that compact too." So, uh, yeah, exciting days. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Adam, you uh, you mentioned this, and before we before we head to to Michigan here, let's stay in Washington. And our good friend Orrin Hatch, if people do not know, he is an eighty four year old senator from Utah, one of two states that has no forms of gambling, but decides that he wants to step in him. And uh, somebody from across the aisle have decided to get together here and decide that they know how best to run this whole sports betting industry. Well, I'd say you said it all right there, but we can definitely dive <laughs> a little deeper uh, if you like. That someone is Chuck Schumer, the Senate Minority Leader from New York, who earlier this summer had put forward a framework, as he called it, for potential sports betting legislation. Don't forget that all of the leagues are headquartered in New York, where Chuck Schumer is from. And so he wanted to give a little gift there. And that Orrin Hatch, that retiring senator from Utah, was one of the original co-authors of PASPA and promised almost as soon as the Supreme Court struck it down that he would find an alternative to propose. Now, this legislation that just dropped this week don't expect it to go anywhere quickly. And even Orrin Hatch acknowledged that. He basically said, look, I'm setting up a potential discussion for moving forward. But that's another piece of the news we got this week, a federal sports betting bill dropping, uh, not nearly as wide-reaching as PASPA was. Uh, a few interesting aspects of the bill would require the use of official data by operators originally in the draft we had seen that would have been through 2022 now through 2024 so that's definitely a giveaway to the leagues to require that official data purchase uh, in order to be an operator but perhaps the biggest thing that's in this bill and i know we've discussed this on the pod before is the fact that the attorney general of the united states would essentially have veto power over any state level legislation to authorize sports betting so if the Supreme Court just said that this was best left to the states, 
then this legislation and that piece of intent certainly does not seem to go along with that. And Dustin, we've talked about that, you know, after reading through some of these things that have circled around and, and made their way into our inboxes and we've taken a look at, I mean, this there are pieces of some of these things where you can tell that they've talked to someone who kind of knows what they're doing because it's not all bad. I mean, there are things we definitely don't agree with and certainly things we don't want to see get implemented. But, you know, there there are at least glimmers of things where we go, OK, so, someone somewhere along the way, not saying that that is certainly Orrin Hatch or Chuck Schumer, but they were getting advice from somebody who at least kind of knew what they were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, we saw a number of professional sports leagues uh, uh, and the NCAA, oh, shockingly come out and support. So they're at least aware of, of the broad, broad uh, scope of what was going on. And they, they'd seen the draft as I mean, we we published a draft uh, weeks ago um, of the bill. So, yeah, we're looking at this is a. I mean, I, I agree with you. It's not the most it's not the most awful piece of legislation I've ever seen. It, it creates a mechanism to increase enforcement of, of people who are doing it illegally. Um, I like the I mean, in an ideal world. Yes. Are we are, is everybody communicating? Is is are there federal resources going toward uh, this? That That's all good stuff. Uh, I mean, it's def- I, I mean, there are pieces of it that I could live with in, in legislation at the federal level. I, I, I just keep coming back to the fact that I, I just hate that Orrin Hatch is the one who's leading this. He's, he's the one who said, quote unquote, said this was said it was a quote unquote indisputable success. Uh, Paspa was uh, back in <laughs> back in May when it, right after it was it was torn down, which is absolute nonsense. Um, so the fact that he's the one who's leading the discussion on sports betting now is just stupid. And it was an indisputable success. Shouldn't you just be going back and trying to ban it? Like that's not it right. was not a success in any in any way, shape or form. Um, and I think I think the fact that the legislation existed at all is a, is a hat tip to that, that it's a, that it was a debacle. Yeah, you mentioned that in the thing, I think one of the things that stood out to me was just that there was language in there that they do realize that there one. They do realize that there is a very lucrative offshore market that you know, needs to be addressed. And one of the things that I think that if you really take a look at any of this for any of these numbers and projections that all these super smart people like yourselves are putting out there for any of that stuff to ever be actually realized at some point or at some point or another, they are going to have to deal with the offshore market because, I mean, this is never going to get to where it can potentially be. If there are still people who are, you know, dealing with these guys who don't have to pay taxes, who don't have to pay license fees, who don't have to do the certain things that get it, that, that all of these companies have to do to operate here in the United States. And Adam, I think that I think this is one of those things where people say, like, you don't understand, man, like these these businesses offshore still have bills to pay and they still have whatever. Yeah, no, I get that. I understand they're not like operating on some zero here. But like what we what we're seeing here is. As this goes state by state by state by state, all of these legal entities are going to be paying licensing fees in every single state that goes by. They're going to be paying taxes in every single state that goes by. They're going. This isn't just like a one-time thing here for these legal operators to be able to, you know, oh, no, they, they paid the one-time fee, everything's good to go, and now everything's just uh, just fine across the United States. Like, I don't think people grasp what goes into all this and, and, you know, the stuff that we don't even rarely talk about here, the lobbying fees, the attorney fees, all the different things that are going on here, that, that's money out the door. So for them to be able to compete, uh, it's it really is. They are at some point or another, someone somewhere along the way is going to have to tackle this issue. The thing is, you see what's put out there as a quarter percent of this, one percent of this. 
you talk about lobbyists and data fees and all of the death by a thousand cuts sorts of things that come along with this. Nothing looks like the one big thing where you say, oh, there's no way that a legal operator could be able to deal with this. But you add it all up in the long run, and those are things that the that the legal market have to deal with that the offshore market does not have to deal with. They have to get exposure in a way that the offshore market already enjoys. Look around on social media. Look around on TV and see where the odds are being cited from. They're not being cited from Vegas most often. They're being cited from offshore. So there are exposure costs in there as well, marketing and such that the legal operators have to take on as well. So anything from the federal level that can be done to help out in terms of dealing with the offshore market would potentially be a move in the right direction. And we talked about this on the pod previously. If it's going to happen, it's got to come from the feds. Otherwise, nothing that happens at the state level can seriously attack what goes on offshore. So seeing that referenced in the federal sports betting bill is a positive thing in a vacuum. Put with the other things that are in there, though, certainly debatable. Right, right. And so, again, like you mentioned, this is probably going nowhere, but – at least, at least, you know, this is something that's going to, I imagine, we're going to be dealing with moving forward on several different occasions. There are going to be people who think that they know best and come and try to get something going here. So something to monitor. But the thing that we've been alluding to on this whole podcast, I mean, middle of the night. Again, I, Dustin, you and I remember the days when we were sitting up in the DFS industry. Basically, you know, whether it was going to be around or not was centered around one one vote and we sat up until the middle of the night and we were watching that happen of course there was all kinds of backdoor deals going and things like that and finally that happened and that was a middle of the night thing and we were all kind of jumping up and down this did not get the fanfare that the dfs middle of the night vote got but man this is i don't think people really realize well they will soon realize uh, how big a deal this is but michigan comes in right here, last minute, let's use a sports, you know, buzzer beater, if we will, and it looks like we're going to have gaming in in Michigan. Yeah, uh, the legislature uh, quickly passed uh, through the Senate and the House last night some a bill that uh, legalizes online poker, online casino, uh, appears to also authorize sports betting, or at least set the stage for that uh, in 2019. Uh, yeah, this is a, a giant deal. Uh, it, it was the last, uh, the waning moments of the session in Michigan. We had heard heard chatter that they were they were really looking to push this bill, but it was kind of like oh, Tuesday went by, Wednesday went happened. Nothing happens, and then we get to Thursday night, and all of a sudden, uh, all hell breaks loose, and, and it actually happens. So, yeah, this is a uh, assuming the governor uh, signs it, uh, which, which I mean, we we believe that he will from everything that we've heard. Uh, Michigan becomes the next state joining uh, the ones we listed earlier in Pennsylvania, um, Nevada. Uh, New Jersey, Delaware, that have online gaming in some form. Uh, and yeah, we're in a brand new world where another huge state has uh, online gambling, uh, as long as the DOJ doesn't mess it up, of course. Now, Adam, we have seen the numbers that have come out of New Jersey. And, you know, of course, these past numbers that we got coming out of New Jersey, we were kind of like, OK, wow, this is, uh, you know, this, this is still room for growth and things like that. Uh, Michigan actually has more people than New Jersey does. We are talking about the 10th most populous state in our union here. And of course, anyone who follows that, you know, the kind of how sports go in that neck of the woods, you know, huge into college sports as well, huge into college football and 
things like that. And I mean, this this state, Michigan, I mean, this is not one of those things where like, okay, yeah, you know, passerby in the top of the show type thing where we talk about District of Columbia. I mean, this is this is Michigan with, you know, nine point nine million, nearly 10 million people. I mean, this is a very significant thing that happened in the middle of the night here. The potential for this market could even outstrip Pennsylvania when you look at how the tax structure is set up. The tax structure is really pretty friendly to casinos. You're looking at, for the Detroit casinos, nine and a quarter percent in taxes. And in that case, man, you you have something that competes pretty well with Pennsylvania's 36 percent. And you're looking at the same amount of population, all four major sports, a huge population hub in Detroit even in the state of repair that it is right now in Detroit. And the way it's going to be set up is likely going to be something that encourages online. It's not going to be something where we're going to have to wait for online to come around. This is going to be almost all online. Even within the casinos, you're going to be looking at it being uh, based on mobile. So Michigan has a huge amount of potential here. Now, in terms of sports betting, and that's where I'm going specifically uh, in talking about things, it's not quite there yet. Obviously, we know the governor still has to sign it into law. We get that part. But then beyond that, what's in the law is about two or three lines of text that opens the door for sports betting. It's not explicitly authorized to the point where they're going to be thrown open the doors tomorrow. And even beyond that, you have a 15-month moratorium that's in this legislation. So, you know, slow the roll entirely. But when it comes to the potential for Michigan, it's enormous. So, Dustin, I mean, very, very early, and obviously we were talking about this happening, and, we're, you know, we're all working on very little sleep and very little time to process all this, but who could be some of the players there in Michigan? Of course, you know, we, we talk about all the partnerships that, that DraftKings and FanDuel and different things like that. Like, who, who could be some of the players there in Michigan? So, yeah, I mean, the biggest uh, biggest one is uh, MGM. They have the Grand, MGM Grand Detroit, uh, one of the three commercial casinos in uh, the biggest city in the state. Uh, so they're, I mean, they're the ones who are, who are leading the way. And, and we're obviously probably uh, uh, really pushing for this to happen because they want online game. They're already involved in online gambling in New Jersey, uh, want to be involved with other places. They want sports betting. So um, that's number one. Uh, number two is Penn National, which recently acquired another uh, one of the casinos uh, in Michigan. Uh, so that, yeah. And then, you know, we're going to see everybody try to get in. Uh, it remains to be seen how it's all going to shake out. We have, you know, uh, lots of tribes in Michigan who conduct gaming, who uh, who have we don't as we sit here, we don't know how they're going to want to be involved in it. But they be, but they are the ones who they, they signed off on this. Otherwise, we wouldn't have seen it happen. So we're going to see a, a, a pretty robust system here where there's a lot of people involved and a lot of casinos getting involved. In, and presumably a lot of the operators we've seen elsewhere, uh, both on the online gaming and sports betting side, DraftKings, FanDuel obviously come to mind. As as as, place, as as companies that are going to want to be in or, and probably will find a way to get into the sports betting market there. Inquiring minds want to know, with this passing, does this now hit the over? Are you now wrong as to how many states we were going to have in 2018? Uh, are you, that, did this now hit the over and, and one Dustin well, no. Galker is – Whatever number, whatever number I picked was, I mean, <laughs> if somebody's sitting there tr- keeping track of all my predictions on the podcast, I'm sure, I'm sure I've been wrong many, many times. But yeah, I mean, I don't think we, I don't think I expected Michigan to actually happen this year. I mean, once we got to this week, there's like, oh, this is a real chance. But um, and there's some question about exactly how sport, like sports betting, is in the bill. Uh, we don't like the, the the sponsor of the House bill has said in the past he wants we're not that's the, even though the language is in here we want to go back and fill it in with real regulation but regulators could just say oh this 
this is enough for us. We're going to write regulations and sports betting is a go next year. So, so who knows? But I'll, I'll take the I'll take the L if I or if I if I had if I had the under and uh, this is now the over. All right. So I'm going to we are going to pod next week. So I'm going to hold off on our predictions for 2019 and we'll bring those to the pod next week we'll do a you know recap basically of 2018 and what we saw happen and then we will look forward to 2019 and how we see 2019 playing out here i mean it is one of those things where we don't really you know we're going to make our best predictions but at the end of the day i mean stuff like this could, could certainly happen in, in 2019 and, and sneak up on us here and it's been a wild ride for sure i'm going to let you guys get back to the beat here and writing, cranking out articles, cranking out all the great stuff over at legal sports report, online poker report, of course, all of our play sites and things like that. So guys, please, if you want the full story, the full breakdown on all of these, please head to those sites and check those things out. And while you're at it, Follow us on all the social medias and things like that, the Twitters and Facebooks and whatever of the world, so you can be sure that all of these stories hit you in your inbox or hit you on your social media platforms whenever they go live because you want to know all of this information as soon as it happens, so we appreciate it. Dustin, if they want to find you on the Twitter machine and get some of your musings, where will they do that? Uh, it's at Dustin Gauker, G-O-U-K-E-R, and I'll throw in some bonus breaking news. Just as we had the podcast, uh, a Kentucky court reversed the $870 million judgment against poker stars, so uh, that's they're probably pretty happy about that. that they might not owe a billion dollars. <laughs> I think that they would be pretty happy about that, yeah. actually. I think that's probably something they would go be to, happy Go to onlinereport.pokerreport.com, sure. read the whole <laughs> Yes, and Adam, where can they find you on the Twitter machine? Just to vouch for what they just said, every time I've had a billion-dollar judgment reversed, I feel great <laughs> about I, it. I know, so, right? Yeah, I'm Sa- good. Same, yeah, same for me. Same for me. Good to go on that one. Uh, you can find me on the Twitters at Adam Candy. That's two E's at the end. Yes, C A N D E E, as opposed to D A whatever D N N D Y whatever. Yeah, no, that would be it. Uh, if you want to follow me, it is at Matt Brown M Two. Guys, we really appreciate you guys being here again. We are on iTunes, we are on Stitcher, we are on Spotify. We appreciate those ratings and reviews, and we'll be back next week for a look at for the review of 2018 and a look ahead at 2019.